You guys okay with that? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we want to thank you for uh, your mercy, your grace, your love, uh, your goodness, Lord, and we thank you for such a precious time of worship that draws us close to you. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation. Uh, Lord, I felt so loved and, Lord, so encouraged. And Father, Lord, um, I just thank you for them. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. And Father, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. That everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind will be of you and not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Philemon, Philemon chapter 1. It's only one chapter. We're going to look at verses 8 through 17 today. That's today's text. We're now in part 2 of our series, Forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick background on this short, personal, but powerful letter, and then a, a quick review from verses 1 through 7 that we covered two weeks ago. Uh, the background, Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome uh, to Philemon around 60 to 61 AD, and it's one of Paul's four prison epistles along with Ephesians, Philippians, and also Colossians. Three key people in this letter, this epistle, it's Paul. And Paul, what he did, Paul urged Philemon to forgive and accept Onesimus as his brother in Christ. And then you have Philemon. He was a wealthy businessman and a prominent leader in the church at Colossae. And he had been saved under Paul's ministry, uh, probably in Ephesus. And uh, Philemon owned at least one slave by the name of Onesimus, right? And the third person, key person in this epistle is Onesimus. And Onesimus was Philemon's slave. And Onesimus was not a believer, at least at that time. He was not a believer. And he stole money from Philemon and ran away and fled to Rome. And by, by the way, by stealing and running away from his master, Onesimus was a double lawbreaker under Roman law. Now, now through circumstances not recorded in uh, the Scripture, um, Onesimus met Paul in Rome, and it's there where Paul led him to Christ. So you kind of think about it. Ones Onesimus ran away from Philemon, from Colossae, traveled 1,300 miles, ends up in Rome, and runs into Paul. Talk about the providence of God. Amen? So what Paul is going to do is he's going to address with Onesimus the need to ask for forgiveness, and he's going to address with Philemon the need to forgive Onesimus. And take him back and treat him like a brother, not a slave. Got it? So that's the quick background of this letter. Now a quick review from verses 1 through 7. Uh, three points. We covered this two weeks ago. Uh, the first point was Paul, a beloved friend. Say beloved friend. And that's in verses 1 through 3. And Paul, what he does there, he greets his beloved friend Philemon. And Paul introduces himself, and I love this, he introduces himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why? Why does Paul introduce himself in that way? Well, first uh, two reasons. First reason is because he didn't, Paul did not consider himself a prisoner of Rome or of Nero or of negative circumstances. Rather, he considered himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Good place to say amen. He refused, Paul refused to characterize his circumstances as bad luck or fate. And what he did, Paul refused to allow the chains to hinder his ministry. The chains were not obstacles to Paul, but allowed Paul, listen now, allowed them to become chains of opportunity. The second reason is because uh, this is a personal letter. Say personal letter. 
And usually in Paul's other letters, he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle called by God, right? But here he introduces himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And you see, Paul, what Paul wants to do, Paul wants to appeal to his friend Philemon, not, listen, not on a basis of his apostolic authority, but rather as a friend, as a brother in Christ. In other words, on the basis of having a heavy heart, not a heavy hand. Got it? Paul then, what he does, he mentions Timothy. And then he writes this, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Paul loved Philemon. He loved Philemon and highly esteemed him as a fellow worker of God. And then he mentions Philemon's wife, Aphia, and then Philemon's son, Archippus, and all three family members, Philemon, Aphia, and Archippus, his son, okay, they all what? They're all key workers and supporters of the ministry in the Colossian church. Then he says this, and to the church that meets in our home. So the church met in Philemon's home, and it's clear that Philemon had a home large enough to house the church when it started. Then Paul, what he does, and gives his customary greeting. We know this, right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul's doing, Paul is reminding Philemon that he has already experienced God's grace through Jesus Christ. And Philemon is now expected to extend grace, this is now grace, to a slave, now a brother who has wronged him. Amen? The second point was Philemon, a faithful man. Say that, a faithful man, verses 4 through 5. And Paul, he praises Philemon for being a faithful man, and he has high praise for Philemon. And Philemon's faith in Jesus and his love for Jesus, what it did, it spilled over, say spilled over, to his brothers and sisters in Christ. The third point was Philemon, a fruitful man. Say fruitful man. And that's in verses 6 through 7. And Paul is praying for effective, fruitful, get this now, koinonia, say that, koinonia by Philemon. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that as you fellowship, as you share that koinonia, Philemon, with the saints, the result is going to be an understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. And you see, Philemon was a, a fruitful man who refreshed, I love this, refreshed the hearts of those around him. He was an encourager. He was a, a lover of God's people. And this was his reputation. He was known for this. And Paul, what he did, Paul experienced joy and, and comfort from Philemon's love to all the saints. And now Paul is about to get to the point. And it's time, listen now, time to show love to one more saint. Love to one more brother. And who's that? Onesimus. This brings us to today's text. The title is The Plea. Say the plea. The first part of this series was the praise. Now it's the plea. And, and we now come to Paul's main purpose of this letter. In today's text, uh, Paul's plea is Paul's plea on behalf of Onesimus. Three points if you ready to say yes. Number one is this. Forgive Onesimus for your sake, your own sake. And Paul is telling this to Philemon, forgive Onesimus for your own sake. Say, your own sake. Now follow me, verses 8 through 9. Therefore, although, although in Christ, he says, I could be bold and order you, Philemon, to do what you ought to do. Now I want to stop there because Paul is, is an apostle. As an apostle, Paul had the right, say the right, come on, to command Philemon to do what he ought to do. And Paul's like, you know what, I could use my apostolic authority. I could command you if I want to, but Paul doesn't do that. 
He doesn't, okay? He declined to appeal to Philemon on his apostolic authority. Instead, look at the next verse, verse 9, yet I appeal to you on the basis of what? Come on, say it. Basis of love. On the basis of Christian love. Okay? On the basis of the love of Christ. And you see, a loving appeal is often better than an an authoritative command, right? Now, Paul wasn't hesitant, and we know as we read his letters, he wasn't hesitant to command at certain times, right? In certain situations, he demanded it, right? But in wisdom, say, in wisdom, he knew when to use the loving appeal. And that's what we see here in the text. And you see, love for Jesus and love for Onesimus should motivate Philemon to do the right thing. That's what Paul is driving at. Let's read on. I then, as Paul, an old man, (laughs) the New King James Bible renders it as the age. And I want to stop there because Paul was not that old. At this time, he was must have been around 60 years old, so he was not that old. Can I say that? Because I'm 60 years old, okay? All right? He's not that old, okay? Now, there could be two reasons why Paul called himself an old man or, or the age. And the first reason is perhaps to remind Philemon of the affliction he had undergone for the gospel that may have aged him. It wore him out. The second reason is in those days, people didn't live longer than 60 years of age. Uh, the lifespan was was shorter back then. So those are two reasons why he might have said old or uh, the age. Let's read on. And now also a prisoner, prisoner excuse me, of Christ Jesus. Paul's like, you funny, man? Hey, man, listen, okay, before I tell you what I need from you, remember, I'm an old man, okay? I'm not just an old man. Dude, I'm, I'm in prison, <laughs> okay? I'm in prison too. Now, now, now remember at the beginning of the chapter, uh, we covered this two weeks ago. Paul introduces himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, right? Remember that? Now, perhaps the repetition of the reference to his imprisonment may have served to add weight to his plea to Philemon. Okay? But I also love the fact that for Paul, the chains of being in prison were not obstacles to him. I mean, Paul, you think about Paul, he wasn't, you know, sitting around in prison, moping around and saying, poor me, poor me, I'm in prison, you know. Rather, he allowed his circumstance to become chains of opportunity to serve Jesus and to spread the gospel. And I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Paul was chained, but the word of God is not chained. Amen? If you're safe, say amen. God can use us even in our most difficult circumstances. What is your circumstance right now? And whatever it is, God can use you in the midst of all that. Someone please say amen. Verse 10. And here in verse 10 we see Onesimus' conversion. I appeal to you. Verse 10. For my son, say son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Now this is not Paul's biological son. Uh, Paul is a spiritual what? Father to Onesimus, and Paul led him to Christ. And what this does, this confirms Onesimus' salvation. Got it? You see, throughout Paul's letters, if you read his letters and know the Word of God, he often spoke of his converts as his children, right? And he spoke of Timothy and Titus as his son. And he spoke of the Corinthian Christians and and the Galatian Christians, each as his children, and Paul's like, hey, Philemon, you know, your runaway slave, you know him, right, Onesimus, the runaway slave who stole from you, guess what? He's now a believer, dude. He's now a believer. I led him to Christ. Onesimus is now a brother in Christ. 
Huh? Now listen, Onesimus was technically still a slave in the rightful property of Philemon. But now, say now, the relationship to one another has been radically transformed by the power of the cross. Amen? Let's look at the text again. I want to point something out here. That I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son, listen now, who became my son while I was in chains. Did you get that? That tells me Paul didn't need comfort nor the perfect situation to lead someone to Christ. Got it? Okay. Verse 11. Let's move on. And here's another aspect of the transformation in Onesimus' life by God's saving power. Verse 11. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Now, Onesimus in the Greek means useful. Say useful. Now, what Paul does here, and I love it, what he does here is a little play on words, and he plays on the meaning of Onesimus' name. Now, apparently Onesimus wasn't a very good slave. Maybe he was, you know, wasn't very, a very good worker. He, he was useless. He was unprofitable to Philemon, but he had become profitable. He had become useful to Paul and, by extension, also to Philemon. And now Onesimus truly lives up to the meaning of his name, right? Both to Philemon and also to Paul. And so Paul's like, hey, Philemon, you know, you're not getting the same guy back. You're not, okay? You're not getting the same guy back back that you lost. Onesimus is different. He was good for nothing, but now he's good for something. Amen? Okay, he's, he's a changed man. He, he's been transformed. God changed him. He's not the same man. A radical, radical change has taken place in his life. He's now useful. He's living up to his name. He's useful for the kingdom's sake. And I've seen, Paul's like, I've seen his usefulness, and you will see it too. Amen. If you're safe, say amen. In Christ. The useless person has been made useful. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? Jesus makes us what we ought to be. Jesus makes us what we ought to be. Onesimus, as we know the text, we know the story, had been useless, right? Unprofitable, a useless, a useless, unprofitable servant. But after coming to Jesus, he had changed, right? It was a change in his life. Now he's very useful. And what comes to mind is the scripture of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Some of you might know this by heart. It says, for we are God's workmanship, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Every time you see that, that phrase, good works, it's referring to service, to ministry, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this is an amazing picture of our relationship to God. It's transforming our position. And this is now we go from being unprofitable to now being profitable. As his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, we go from being those who cause God great grief to now those who now can bless God's heart. Now, if you're safe, say amen. God has good works. Say good works. Already planned out for us to do. Right? Listen, it's not until we choose to live our lives for Christ and follow him that he begins to make us what we 
were designed to be. I want you to follow me here. He has worked in you, that's salvation, and now his purpose is to work through you, that is service. In salvation, through service. And he has a plan for you, so follow his will and fulfill his purpose in your life. God takes what is unprofitable and makes it profitable. Amen? God has a way of turning trash, come on, into treasure. You know, one thing that makes me question God is his choice of me. That God would, would use me and that God would choose me. Blows me away. Right? Why would, why? You know. Verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart. See, very heart. This is what he says, back to you. Back to you. This was very emotional for Paul, okay? Uh, to have to say goodbye to Onesimus. Now, now Paul could have just told Onesimus, now, hey, now that you're saved and now that you're free in Christ, you don't have to go back to Philemon. I mean, you can just stay here with me. But Paul didn't do that, okay? You see, now that Onesimus, you got to get this. Now that Onesimus is saved, Paul is sending him back to make things right. Got it? To make restitution. Because as a Christian, Onesimus now lives by a different set of standards. A different, listen now, value system. Therefore, he needs to make things right with Philemon. That being said, if, come on now, if you're saved, say amen, okay? We now live as believers by a different set of standards. We live by a different, a different value system, and now we have to make things right that before we weren't convicted about. True? As Christians, we now take personal, and I love this, personal responsibility for our sin. This is why Paul is sending Onesimus back, so that Onesimus will take personal responsibility for his sin and go make it right with Philemon. I also want to point this out, that the laws against runaway slaves were strict. In fact, that a captured runaway slave might be crucified or branded with a red-hot iron on the forehead with the letter F for fugitive. So according to Roman law, Onesimus deserved any or all punishment that Philemon would choose to throw at him. Could have done it. Knowing that, Paul, knowing that, Paul is sending Onesimus back. And Philemon's, you know, it's like, Paul's like, Philemon, I know this man has done you wrong. I get it. He stole from you, and he deserves to be punished. But consider him as my own heart, Paul says. And be merciful to him. Paul's saying, take him back. He's repented. Okay, he's changed. Okay, he's valuable. He's a wonderful friend. Open your heart for him. Take him back. Say, take him back. Come on, say it. Okay. And this is where forgiveness begins. Take him back. Okay, it starts with forgiving the grudges and the offenses. Can I get an amen? Take him back. Verse 13, you guys still with me? Verse 13. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. So again, Paul wished to keep Onesimus with him, right? So that he might, what, be an instrument of ministry to Paul. He was ministering to Paul. 
Let's look at the text again there, the phrase that, that he could take your place, by the name, he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. This indicates that Onesimus served in place of Philemon in ministering to Paul in jail. And Paul is simply saying, I know that at one time, again, here we go, that Onesimus was not useful to you, Philemon, but he has been extremely useful to me. So much that I wish I could keep him here so he could continue to minister to me in chains. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Others-centered. Say that. Write that down. Others-centered. Now, as a slave, Onesimus, and you got to get this now, as a slave, Onesimus served because he had to. He had to, right? Uh, he was required to. He waited on others because it was his duty. But now, say, but now, okay, he was doing it willingly, and he did it gladly, and this is the true mark, and you got to get this, this is a true mark of a person who is really growing in Christ. Someone who's had, who has had a true encounter with Christ, okay? The person becomes much more other-centered than self-centered. Got it? Because the natural, let's be honest, the natural tendency of the fleshly person is to look out for what? Number one. Concern about number one, me, myself, and, and I. Now, now, I want you to get this, okay? If you take the H off the word flesh, backwards it spells self. Got it? That's the natural characteristic of the flesh. Be concerned about self. You know, self-care, self-focus, self-preservation, you know. But that's the opposite of what Jesus modeled. Amen? Jesus was all about who? Others. Others. Matthew 20, 28. Some of you guys might know this, right? I love it. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Love that. His heart was all about caring for others, being there for others. That's Jesus' heart. And you see, that's what begins to happen in the life of someone who is really following Jesus. This becomes... They become servants. They become other-centered rather than self-centered. You know, let me say something about true believers. True believers don't serve to improve their own self-worth. <laughs> right? They don't serve, listen now, uh, to improve their self-perception or, or to make them feel better about themselves. True believers serve because Jesus did. Amen? And that's what's happening to Onesimus. Notice, while I am in chains for the gospel, Paul reminded Philemon that he was in jail because of the gospel and that the gospel message was worth, worth the risk of imprisonment. Amen. Verse 14. Stay with me now. If you're still with me, say amen. Verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. So listen now, what Paul wants to do here, and get this now, Paul wants Philemon to be able to make his own mind up concerning what to do with Onesimus. Paul's not asserting his authority here. He's not. Could, but he's not. But appealing to Philemon as a brother. And I love this about Paul. I love this about Paul. I love how he allowed Philemon the space to make the decision about what to do with Onesimus. The choice of what to do with Onesimus is really Philemon's to make. And Paul, what he does, he sees that and lets Philemon make the choice. It's your choice, bro. 
And he gave Philemon the freedom to make the decision without manipulation. Got it? Verse 15. And here in verse 15, what we see is God's providence. Stay with me now. Love this. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you, Philemon, for a little while, was that you might have him back for what? Good. Paul is getting Philemon to see the big picture. Got it? In order to strengthen his appeal to Philemon, Paul called upon his friend to consider the hidden purposes, the purposes of God that were at work in this situation. And you see, Paul clearly saw the hand of God operating in the lives of these two guys. These two guys. Now, while the actions of Onesimus were wrong, we know his actions were wrong, right? He ran away, stole, ran away. God was actively bringing about his will in the midst of this circumstance. So follow me here, follow me. Philemon's temporary loss, get this now, of Onesimus' service and money resulted in something that will last forever. There was a big gain for a relatively small loss. I'm put it this way. Onesimus, depart, Onesimus departed loss, but he returned saved forever. Amen? And this is one aspect of the purpose Paul saw God working in the escape of Onesimus. Philemon, the master, lost a slave. But Philemon, the Christian, gained a brother forever. A temporary separation led to an eternal relationship. Isn't that awesome? You see, Paul wants Philemon to see how God used this circumstance to transform Onesimus. You guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. God turns bad things into good. He does. God turns bad things into good. I love it when God does that. They're called divine appointments. Speaking of his providence, God's plan for Onesimus saved and transformed his life. The providence of God was at work in turning the bad thing into good. And we know these scriptures, Genesis 50, right? 20, Joseph before his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Right? Amen? Romans 8, 28. We know this, Romans 8, 28. That in all things God, say God, works together for the good to them who love him and are called according to his purpose. Listen, friends, God can rule, he can overrule, and he can overturn any evil. Why? Because he's God. Amen? He's God. He uses the, his providential power and his providential grace to accomplish his own purpose. And that's what we see here right now. Point number two is this. Forgive Onesimus for his sake. His sake. His sake. Verse 16. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a what? Dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Now I'm sure, I'm sure there were, would be those who would remind Philemon of the deeds of, of Onesimus and also remind Philemon of Onesimus' position as a slave and those who were around who would, you know, cry out for punishment for his crime, say, come on, Philemon, man, you're really going to let this guy get, get away? But Paul proclaimed that Onesimus should no longer be considered a slave, right? But a brother in the faith. He was no longer to be looked down upon and despised but accepted as a member, listen now, of the family of God. 
His position was to be elevated because of his new birth in Christ. And Paul's like, Philemon, man, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, but I don't want you to put him back in chains again. Don't do that, okay? I'm appealing to you on the basis of your faith in Christ to take him back. Take him back. Not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. That must have been mind-blowing. And you see, it would, be, it would, it would no longer be customary, uh, it would no longer be uh, the customary master and, and customary slave relationship. Onesimus is now better than a slave. He's a brother in what? Christ. This is awesome. You know what this is? Christianity is a great equalizer. Isn't it? In fact, Galatians 3.28 there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all what? One in Christ. As we come to the foot of the cross and accept Christ as our Savior, we are all one in Christ. Amen? Christianity is a great equalizer. We're all equal. Now I want you to get this. Paul is sitting on this back to Philemon, not only to make restitution because he wants him to get it right, but also, listen, you've got to get this, also to be a witness to those around him that the master and the servant unite around the table of Jesus and recognize that they stand together at the foot of the cross, saved by the same Savior, redeemed by the same blood, and secured by the same justification. How awesome is that? Amen? That's the work of the gospel. Making a slave and a master equal. In the eyes of Christ, of God, amen? Why? Because now Onesimus is now in Christ. Say, in Christ. He's, now, he's not the old Onesimus. He, he's now the new one. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You guys know this, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is now here. You know what this is? This is the fruit of conversion. Salvation is more than a transaction. Salvation is transformation. There ought to be a transformation in our lives. Amen? So here's the lesson. Ready? The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. If you're safe, say amen. We are now in Christ. Right? Therefore, we are no longer slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. We no longer belong to this world. We no longer belong to Satan. We have been redeemed Right? By the blood of the Lamb, and the old is gone, the new has come. We are now part of the family of God. And that's what we see happening here. Point number three. Here we go. We're almost done here. Forgive Onesimus for my sake. <laughs> for my sake. Paul puts in the personal plea. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, listen to what Paul tells Philemon. Hey, Philemon. If you consider me a partner, welcome him, welcome Onesimus, as you to welcome me. You guys get that? As you would welcome me. The term partner, say partner, Paul uses here, suggests more than just a friend, more than just a companion. It suggests the partnership or, or fellowship of those who have common interests or have common work. It's a spiritual fellowship. We're going back to that word koinonia. Say, say koinonia. It's a partnership of mutual Christian faith and Christian life. Amen? You see, Paul makes a plea on the basis 
of their partnership, of their fellowship in Christ. Paul viewed Philemon as a partner in ministry. And if these two are yoked together, they will act together. And that's the essential idea of partnership. Amen? Say koinonia. Now, should Philemon, okay, refuse Paul's request, that would be inconsistent with his acknowledgement of this partnership. Let's go back to the text again, the end, end of verse 17. Look at it again. Welcome him. I love this. Welcome him as you would welcome me. Isn't that awesome? Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus as he would receive Paul himself. Welcome him, Paul saying, welcome him as a brother in Christ. Welcome him as an equal. Welcome him as you would welcome me. In other words, Paul's saying this, Philemon, if I'm your partner, so too is Onesimus. And Paul is saying, you get me, you get him too. Amen? You get me, you get him too. Amen? All right, you got it? So here's a lesson. We're going to wrap this up. Here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? We're partners. We're partners. If you're safe, say amen. We're partners. We're in a partnership of mutual Christian faith and Christian life. It's a spiritual partnership. It's a spiritual fellowship. It's koinonia. Amen? In other words, we are in this together. Amen? You got it? You get me, I get you. Amen? You got it? You got me, I got you. Got it? We're in this mutual fellowship, koinonia. So we work together for the same God. We unite together around the same table of Jesus. We stand together at the foot of the cross, saved by the same Savior, redeemed by the same blood, and secured by the same justification. Amen? We're partners. We're partners. And that's what we see here. Don't miss next Sunday. Let's all stand. Amen.